Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. I tell you what, um, what a day to come back and to be able to help celebrate with our veterans this morning. I'm so grateful for each of you and glad that you are here. And like I said, and it is so good to be home. I loved walking where Jesus walked. I tell you what, there's nothing quite like it except for being home except for being home. So grateful. I tell you, part of what was so neat was as I was over in Israel in the city of Jerusalem, what was so incredible, we're walking the very steps, not only that Jesus walked, but the very events that we've been studying in Acts chapter one through seven, walking where the disciples had walked, visiting the traditional side of the upper room where the Holy Spirit came and the church was birthed, standing at the gate called Beautiful, where the man was healed and Peter and John preached at it's just incredible opportunity. And what's amazing is as we come back today, I never had to see those streets to know we're real. I never had to look at Jesus' empty tomb to know that he's alive. Because you know what? I know it here. I know it here. And today we get the joy of celebrating him, making much of Jesus as we turn to the word of God. We've been in an incredible series called The Gospel at Work, The Gospel at Work. And here's been our tagline, you ready? That whether it's personally or collectively, man, it is time in our faith that you and I bring back bold that we bring back a boldness that we see in the life of this very young church. Now, we've got to understand a little bit about what biblical boldness is. It's a common theme throughout the book of Acts we find in this very Greek word by the name parousia that's translated bold or courage. And it's this idea, you ready? It's the willingness of a person to engage in an activity that has and involves some risk and some danger. Parousia, boldness the willingness of someone to engage in an activity that involves risk or danger. This common thing throughout Acts is what we see unfold before us in Acts chapter one and two and three and four and last week chapter five and now continues to do so here in Acts chapter six. Now, it's important that we make this note. When it comes to biblical boldness, I'm not talking about being a jerk. I'm talking about being Jesus to a world that is lost and desperate for him. Talking about being Jesus to people whom he created, whom he loves. And we see that displayed here in the book of Acts. So let's recap some challenges over the past few weeks. You ready? When it comes to boldness, here we go. Boldness begins by choosing boldness no matter the cost. Man, it's important when faced with opposition, when faced with the opportunity that you and I make the mind up to choose boldness no matter the cost. Boldness builds by being with Jesus. Boldness bows to none but Christ. And understanding this, that boldness doesn't just happen, it is prayed for and it is acted upon. And today, here's where we camp out in boldness, you ready? And something we learned from the text, that boldness can't just sit around. Hear me, boldness can't just sit around. Here's what I mean. I want to open with this story. I love this story. I want y'all to take a look at this guy here on the screen. I'm going to get our cameras to zoom in just a little bit. Take a look at this guy. This guy, his name is Larry Walters. On July 2nd, 1982, I was just a few months old at this time, Larry Walters here decided he was going to embark on an incredible journey. So here's what he did. 
He went to the Sears catalog. He ordered him an aluminum chair. With that chair, he purchased 42 balloons that he filled with helium. For ballast, he used jugs of water. And in his possession, he had a pellet gun, some sandwiches, a CB radio, and some Miller lights. I guess his liquid courage for the day. He was tethered down to his pickup truck there in San Pedro, California. And he looked at his buddies and said, fellas, cut the cords. Larry Walters had a dream of flying and decided to come up with his own homemade contraption for which he could fly. And here was his thought. What I wanna do is, is I wanna be cut loose from this truck and I want these balloons to carry me over the desert about 30 feet in the air and I wanna get to the Rocky Mountains. And so they cut him loose. And to I'm sure his delight, instead of 30 feet, he soared to 16,000 feet in the air. He was traveling at over a thousand feet per minute. And it took just a few minutes for him to get his bearings, but he noticed there was something wrong. How many of y'all got a friend like Larry in your life? Can you just raise your, are they in here? Point them out, right? We all have that crazy friend like Larry, but now he's at 16,000 feet traveling at a thousand feet per minute. And he decided, you know what? This is what I have the pellet gun for pulls out his pellet gun, starts shooting the balloon so that he would lower himself in altitude, and he drops the pellet gun. And so here he is. And as time would pass and as the winds would drift, he would lose a little bit of his altitude until the cords that tethered him down to this truck had gotten entangled in some power lines. And there his adventure quit, and he fell into the loving arms of the Los Angeles Police Department. He had interrupt flight traffic, got into their flight pass. Just an incredible story. And I loved listening to his interview. So he actually was interviewed by the local networks. And one of the things that he said stuck out to me. When the anchor said, why in the world would you do such a thing? You know what he said? A man just can't sit around. Man can be stupid sometimes. But anyway, he says, man, a man can't just sit around. You know what I begin to think? In this conversation of boldness, especially bold leadership in the life of our church, our families, our communities, you know what's amazing? One of the very mantras, one of the very themes of our lives in boldness is this. I can't just sit around. And church, I want you to hear me. I can't sit around while people are lost without Jesus. I can't just sit around while families are breaking apart, while people are spending eternity without the Father. I can't just sit around as our culture is dying around. I just can't sit around here while people are hurting, while people have needs that I can meet. I can't just sit around. And that is an element of boldness that we uncover here in scripture today. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Acts chapter six together. And as you turn there, here's something I wanna say. We struggle in the church conveying this message because when we preach about boldness or leadership, oftentimes we find it pointed only towards leadership inside the walls of the church, in the church itself. But hear me, today's message speaks to bold leadership, not only within the walls of the church, but within the limits of our city. 
within the influence that God has given us in the people around us. And I love this. And I want to define this. When I talk about bold leadership, here's what I mean. Leveraging our influence to love people in Christ, to serve people for Christ, and to influence people to Jesus, to Christ. That's what bold leadership looks like. You know, I heard this statement before that leadership is influence and influence is leadership. And so understand this and take this home, that every person within the sound of my voice has an influence in and on someone else's life. Therefore, by very definition, you have leadership, you are a leader. And the question today in scripture, in this conversation of boldness, is how can we take such influence to love people in Christ, to serve people for Christ, and to influence people to Christ? Well, we see that unfolded here in scripture today in Acts chapter six. Now, I say that with this kind of understanding, you ready? That there are two types of people in the house today. You're sitting in one, two, one of two different chairs. Either you are a bystander, and that's the type of person who just hopes that faith happens to them, or you are a bold leader who steps up, takes hold of their faith to serve Christ. You ready? The bold leader who says, I, I just can't sit around. I can't just sit around when it comes to my faith. Now, as we journey into Acts chapter six, a lot has taken place in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter one, after 40 days of Jesus walking with his disciples after the resurrection, he ascends. He gives them Acts chapter one, verse eight, this challenge that says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In Acts chapter two, as the disciples wait on the Holy Spirit to come, he finally shows up in Acts chapter two and the church is birthed. In Acts chapter three, four, and five, we see persecution come onto the scene. But here's what we find is Luke continues to fill Theophilus here in this account of Acts of the incredible growth and the explosion of this young church. So in Acts chapter six, we are introduced not to a bystander, but to a bold leader. Let's check out scripture together. You ready? It says this as Luke writes, Theophilus, in those days when the number was increasing. Now catch this, you ready? What Luke is talking about here is, is he's just reminding him, hey, Theophilus, the church is exploding no matter what comes up against it. The enemy without, the enemy within, the church continues to grow. In those days, the Bible says the Hellenistic Jews, now these were the Jews who spoke the Greek language rose among them a complaint. They complained against the Hebraic Jews. Now, these were the Jews that existed there in Jerusalem. Their language of choice was, was Aramaic. And so you have two different cultures and two different languages being spoken even within the life of the church. And it says this, here's the complaint, that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So we have a growing church, and as with all growing things there is growing pains and there's the potential for conflict. You say, well, what do you mean by conflict? Well, let me tell you how all conflict is birth. You ready? In our marriages, in our parenting, in our friendships, in our community, in our businesses, in our churches, all conflict starts here. You ready? When an expectation is set and that expectation is not met by somebody. That is where all conflict comes. There's an expectation that is set, 
but that expectation is not met. And here's the expectation that day, that all the widows in Christ would be taken care of equally, but because of language and cultural challenges, it just wasn't happening. The Greek-speaking widows were not being taken care of. And hear me, church, you ready? And this is a big deal, not only to the church, but to God, because God has a heart for widows. In fact, over 80 times in scripture, does God speak to the care of widows? At the end of the service just a minute ago, I met a sweet lady and uh, she had tears in her eyes and I hugged her. I hadn't seen her before, but I hugged her. She was visiting and, and she just, she gave me a hug and she says, I'm, I'm one of those widows you were talking about. And I said, you know, I, I don't know your name, but I want you to know God has a heart for you. God loves you. And he's near to you. And as she left, she cried, shaking her head, knowing that that was exactly the case. God loves widows. And so we have what is the potential for conflict taking place here. Now, there's two ways that widows were taken care of. Every day, the tables were set out and food and water was given to widows, but they also received a stipend. They also received money so that they can purchase food items for themselves for the next 14 days. And so talk about an administrative task. And what we begin to see happening here is how these bold leaders begin to address the problem. The Bible says, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now, we're not talking about a side job they picked up for Sunday after churches, right? We're talking about the tables that were set up and food was uh, distributed from. And here's what we find, verse 3. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Hey, can I just real quick remind us of something? In this conversation, I can't just sit around. That bystanders always hide from conflict. Bystanders always hide from conflict. But bold leaders step up and they confront conflict head on. And that is what we see here in the book of Acts chapter six. Now, I want us to be careful. I don't want us to read into this situation something that is not there. The disciples are not downplaying or demeaning the administrative task of taking care of widows. Rather, they are exposing their weaknesses because this was not in their gift set. They were doing it, and apparently, they were doing a pretty bad job of taking care of the widows as we see here. Let me teach you something about bold leadership. Bold and effective leadership realizes that there are just things that we aren't gifted at, that we don't do well, all the while realizing that God has gifted others to be the strength, even in the midst of the areas we are weak. And what we find here in Acts chapter six is bold leaders empowering people to come alongside of them in the work of the kingdom. And I'm gonna tell you something, this is applicable to every arena in our life, not just in the church, but outside the church, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our friendships, our relationships, and in our community. Uh, one of the favorite parts of my, my trip this past week was uh, nearing the last night, I was... Uh, at a hotel in Jerusalem with several other pastors, and we were introduced to a set of missionaries 
from a closed region of the world. And what I mean by this, from a region that exists in a 1040 window on our planet where the country is close to the gospel and high persecution exists against those who would proclaim the gospel. A region of our world where it is, it's not lawful to be a Christian. In fact, if you are, you could be persecuted if not killed. And yet I sat at a table with two 20-something-year-old girls who found themselves serving the Lord in such a place. And I sat with them in what was a secretive meeting. Uh, we used code language because it was important that they were not found out so we couldn't mention Jesus' name. We couldn't mention ministry or missionaries or mission work or any of the names of the churches there locally. So we talked about the family business. We talked about how their dad was doing. How's the Lord doing? The family business was the mission's work. And we began to talk with them because hopefully one day Connect Church will be right alongside of them, helping them share the gospel. Incredible conversation, but one of the questions I had is both of these young ladies came from homes where their parents were missionaries. And, and I'm a dad, I'm in ministry, I've got three young daughters and a young boy, and I literally looked at those girls and said, how did your parents not mess you up? How did they just not kill ministry for you? You hear preacher's kids, right? How, how did they not mess it up? I just don't wanna mess it up for my kids. And without question, both of them, the biggest response they gave about their parents. I said, you know what? Ministry in Jesus and living for him wasn't something they just talked about, but that they lived out in front of us. I said, you know what? My mom and dad would love and serve people and share the gospel with people, and they brought us along to do it. They would feed the homeless and the hungry, and you know what? They brought us along to, to pass the soup as well at those times. And you know what they were telling us? That so much of their faith was caught, not necessarily just taught. What was amazing is they said their parents' innocence empowered them and employed them, brought them alongside of what God was doing in their lives. Yeah, D.L. Moody would say this, that it was better to put 10 men to work than to try to do the work of 10 men. Let me tell you something about bold leadership. Bold leadership empowers other people to come alongside of you to do the work of the kingdom. Not just inside the church, but inside your homes and your marriages in this community. That's what bold leadership looks like. You know what the apostles are saying here in Acts chapter six? Man, we can't do this by ourselves. We can't do this alone. Here at Connect Church, can I just share something with you? Man, we cannot go it alone. And neither can you. We need each other. That's how God created us. He looked at Adam in the garden, and before sin had entered the picture, it is not good for you to be alone. We need each other. Now watch what takes place here. So they throw out this pick some men and this proposal pleased the whole group, the Bible says in verse five. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurius, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and who laid their hands on them. Can I tell you what's amazing here is that scripture over the next couple of chapters are gonna zero in on two of these men, Stephen 
and Philip. Now the rest of the men, incredible. They made the book, but we don't know much about what happens in their lives. But we know enough that they were used of God. But now we zero in on where scripture zeroes in, and that is on the life of Stephen, of a bold faith that he possessed that no doubt was evidenced by his actions. But hear me, such boldness in Stephen's life came from, hear me church, being in Christ, not just doing for Christ. Hear me, and there's a big difference. His boldness, his leadership came from being in Christ, not just doing for Christ. Let me explain. Oftentimes in our conversations about about boldness, it involves doing things, you ready? Proclaiming the gospel, showing courage in the face of fear, loving the unlovable, reaching the unreachable. But today I wanna remind you that boldness is just as much about being as it is doing. And we see that here in the description of Stephen. The Bible says that he was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. You ready? What was reality on the inside was evidenced on the outside of Stephen. There was no convincing anyone that Stephen followed Christ. It was obvious. Notice this though about Stephen's life. He wasn't one of the 12 disciples. He wasn't prophesied about in the Old Testament. Stephen wasn't a professional Christian in a sense like we see Peter and John in scripture. Here's what we know of him, you ready church? He was faithfully serving the Lord in the life of his young church. And he was making a difference, you ready? Stephen couldn't just sit around. And we see that boldness here in scripture. Now the question comes, isn't he unqualified to be the lunch lady in Acts chapter six? Like, isn't he unqualified to wait on tables? A man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Isn't this beneath him? You know what's amazing about great and bold leaders? Is at the very heart they serve others. They don't demand that others serve them. You know what's great about bold leaders is that they lead by example not by exemption. Stephen saw a need. His heart for widows was likened to that of God's heart for widows. And he couldn't just sit there. Church, I want you to hear me. What we know of Stephen up until this point was that his boldness came from his being in Christ. That he had discovered the beauty of who he was in Jesus. And so let me challenge you here, you ready? That you and I, we must be before all the doing gets done. We must be in Christ and glory and revel there. So for the next minute, I wanna remind you of who you are in Christ. You ready? Get loosened up a little bit. Kinda say, I'm gonna wipe my forehead again. You ready for this? Here we go. Ephesians 2 verse 3. The Bible reminds us that you are alive in Christ. 
that you are a new creation in Christ in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that you are redeemed, your sins forgiven, and made clean in Christ in Ephesians 1, 7. In Christ, you are strengthened with all power in Colossians 1, 11. Christ is in you. You live by faith in him and his love for you in Galatians 2, 20. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has prepared in advance for you to do in Ephesians 2, 10. You have the peace of God, which transcends all understanding that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 7 says. In Christ, the spirit of God, who is greater than the enemy lives in you, 1 John 4, 4. In Christ, you and I are joint heirs with him in Romans 8, 17. In Christ, you and I are more than conquerors through him who loves us, Romans 8, 37. In Christ, we are his ambassadors in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. You are part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a purchased people in 1 Peter 2, 9. In Christ, nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus in Romans chapter 8. In Christ, God supplies all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus in Philippians 4, 19. In Christ, never will he leave you. Never will he forsake you, even in times where we struggle leaving and forsaking him in Hebrews 13, 5. In Christ, he is always with you to the very end in Matthew 28. And just in case we forget who he is and who we are in Christ, the Holy Spirit will bring to our remembrance all that Jesus has taught us and all of his promises in John chapter 14, verse 26. Yeah. And nowhere near exhausting all that you are in Christ, all that we have in Christ. You ready, church? You want biblical boldness? Take hold of who you are and what you have in Jesus. Stephen was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit taking hold of who he was in Christ. You ready? It's a call to quit beating yourself up and start believing you are who he says you are in the word of God. To stop seeing yourself through the eyes of other people, but to start seeing yourself through the lens of how God sees you and I in Christ. To stop comparing yourself to other people because the Bible's clear. In Christ, no one compares to you. No one compares to you. Now hear me, church, this is not a crutch to live in sin, but a call to live in Christ. This is, not a, this is not a call to puff up an ego, but to lift high Christ in our lives, making much of him. Before doing bold, you and I must simply be bold in who we are in Christ. That is where Stephen, a man full of faith, that's where his boldness was. A man full of the Holy Spirit, that's where his boldness was found. Bystanders, they they fail to see who they are in Christ and therefore never take action for Jesus. Whereas bold leaders, full of faith in the Holy Spirit, take hold of who they are in Christ And from the place of being in Christ, they boldly do, they boldly do things for Jesus. 
we see in the life of Stephen, he couldn't just sit down when there was work to be done. When widows were not being cared for, he couldn't just sit around. And we find in this young church, yet again, a church full of bold leaders, not bystanders. Stephen was one such leader. And I love verse seven because we see how God takes some growing pains in an early church, a potential conflict, and uses it to grow the church and build his kingdom. Here's verse seven. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. By the way, I was just there and it's amazing to see how it did. And the Bible says a large number of even priests became obedient to the faith. Now, now listen, what we're seeing now is it's not just people who are common in that community who are coming to faith in Christ, but now even those who are serving in the temple, religious leaders are coming to faith in Jesus. Why? Because of a church who know what it was to be bold in being in Christ. And how that manifested, how that played out in their life was when you and I find boldness in who we are in Christ, it spills over in that all we do, we do for Christ and his honor and his glory. I wanna show you a picture as we kinda cut across the field and come home. This guy, his name is Felipe Batar. And here's how come his picture's on my screen. Not too long ago, a familiar scene a car is parked at a gas station when something happens unintentionally and a fire is started. And before anyone around could notice, there was a car sitting there fully engulfed in flames and there was an elderly lady sitting inside trapped in her car. So the scene unfolds and six people gather around this car engulfed in flames. And you know what they did? They took out their phones and they began to film what was taking place. Just watching it, muttering back and forth, man, somebody needs to help her. All the while, playing the part of a bystander and filming what was taking place. This happened in Beaverton, Oregon. And now, as would happen, thankfully for the lady trapped inside the car, Felipe, had come onto the scene and he was in an interview and he said this, there were like six bystanders just videotaping and saying, oh man, she needs some help. He told the Fox affiliate that I told her, I walked up to the window and you can see him there and he yelled at her and he told her this, hey listen, I'm gonna pull you out, get away from the window, I have to break it. And he broke the window and he reached in and he pulled that lady to safety. The local media called him a hero to which he responded. And I just did what any person's supposed to do. Not just what any person would do because obviously that was not the case. But what any person is supposed to do. You know what was amazing about this young man that day? He couldn't just sit around while that lady was surrounded by the flames. We have a world that is going up in flames spiritually. You and I can't afford to be bystanders. We must 
be bold leaders, leveraging our influence in others' lives to love them, to serve them, and to bring them to Jesus. Let me tell you what bold leadership does. You ready? It pulls people from the, from the fire while bystanders sit around and do nothing while people are hurting without him. What's at stake? Anthony, win me over on why it is I should leave here no longer as a bystander, but as a bold leader. In 1993, at the age of 44, our buddy Larry Walters, our balloon hero across the desert, walked into the National Forest there in Los Angeles, put a gun to his chest, and took his life. What Larry didn't need was just another bystander. But a bold believer who would leverage their influence in his life to love him. Hey, what's at stake? The difference between a bystander and a, and a boat leader? I think of the hundreds of names in here that you filled out. You're one, the person who's close to you but far from God. And you know what they need? They don't need another bystander in their faith. They need a bold leader. Someone who's bought into leveraging their influence to love people in Christ, to serve them for Christ, and to use their influence to bring them to Jesus. What's at stake? Your marriage. I'm going to tell you something. Marriages crumble when there's two bystanders involved. Your parenting Kids don't thrive. They wither when our parenting is just out of bystanders, never taking hold of our faith. What, what is at stake? Our churches. Our churches are not just about building an audience, but an army armed with his love to reach a world without him. Churches die when seats are filled with bystanders and not bold leaders. What's at stake? A community that I love and you love that doesn't just need another bystander, but for each one of us to take hold of our faith, to be bold leaders, to reach them, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to love them in Jesus' name. And the question this morning is, where are you sitting? Are you a, a bystander in your faith? Meaning this, your faith may be a part of your life, but it's not your life. Meaning this, bold leadership is left for everyone else. That's the pastor's job. That's the, the deacon's job. By the way, one of the biggest lies in the church today. Are you a bystander? Or are you willing to be a bold leader? To take hold of your faith? To make much of Jesus? And to see every influence in your life, in the lives of other people, whether it's inside your home or outside your home, as an opportunity to love people in Jesus, 
to serve them for Jesus and to influence them to Jesus. Let me tell you what Scripture teaches us in Acts chapter 6. Every one of us can be a Stephen. Every single one of us have the potential to boldly lead. The difference are those of us who know what it's like to just simply be in Christ, to know who we are in him, and from that very position to do in Christ. That's the difference maker. Where are you sitting at today? And who's with me? I just can't sit around anymore. I'm not gonna go buy an aluminum chair. I'm not gonna strap 42 helium balloons to the thing. I'm not gonna have water jugs as the ballast. I'm not gonna carry a, a pistol with me. I love sandwiches, but not gonna use it for that part of the leg. You're right. I'm a teetotaler, so Miller Lights are out of the picture. I, I can't just sit around anymore while the enemy every day is advancing, trying to destroy my family, my wife and my kids, get a hold of them. I can't sit around. I can't sit around while people are hurting all across this community and they need him. I can't just sit around while the world goes lost without him in desperate need of Jesus. So maybe, just maybe today, we stop sitting around, we stand up together and say, God, we know who we are in you and Christ. So God, help us to do accordingly. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.